Welcome into this Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Zane Hopin, joined as always by Chris Cartman and Kalen Jones. And today we're going to recap a little bit the crazy last couple days that's been the Arizona State football program, get a little bit more into the Todd Graham situation and the uh, just beginning coaching search. And then, of course, at the end, there was a, there was a football game this weekend, as, as a lot of you probably <laughs> forgot, the Territorial Cup. We're going to get a little bit more into that but if you're looking for more analytical dive deep into it kind of stuff we will be doing a premium podcast as usual later into the week that will highlight uh, more deeply the coaching search and the uh, the situation that's going on from our perspective but before we get into the stuff today guys how are we doing doing pretty good hanging in there a little bit tired a little bit busy but uh pushing through it pushing through that's what we like to hear so We've talked about a lot already. Mm-hmm. The um, the coaching search has began, and the criteria laid out by Ray Anderson has you know caused a little bit of a backlash towards the athletic department. You know, some are calling it hypocritical, some are calling it you know way too high of expectations, and and you know Anderson kind of responded to that before even finishing the press conference by saying, you know, it's past that time. People are living in the past if they think the expectations for this program aren't too high. But uh, you know. We let it soak for a couple of days, let it sink in. Mm-hmm. What are, how are we feeling about, about everything Ray said and, you know, what to expect going forward with, with coaches and prospects that he's he's looking at? I mean, it, not much really for me has changed. It's still – I find it really hypocritical. And, you know, as you were mentioning, Zane, like there, the expectation with – or at least the criteria that Ray Anderson is asking a head coach to fit, you're asking for someone who – will maintain the type of culture that Todd Graham established over the course of six years while also, you know, having a high level of success in arguably the most um, – I, I don't know what the word for parity would be, but um, in this situation. But, like, you're asking for a lot. And I, I don't know if this kind of type of candidate that he's looking for exists. Um, if, it, if he does, I mean, I, I assume that he already has his guy picked out, but – uh, not much has really changed for me over the span of, you know, three days. I'm still kind of baffled by the decision. So I took a day to sort of uh, decompress from that press conference, and then I watched it again, um, listened to it, and uh, it was equally as bizarre as it was the uh, the first time around. And then I decided I was going to write uh, a 10 takeaway analysis of, of my impressions of the press conference based upon my experience covering ASU and some of the things that Ray Anderson said that don't, really mesh with um, what I believe to be the reality of ASU football and and and, uh, and the way that uh, coaches operate and, and these sorts of things tend to go. So I would advise everybody to take a look at it. It is a premium piece, but it's or I think it's pretty in-depth and, and gives a lot of perspective that's important about ASU football moving forward. Um, yeah, it's just um, it's not really a surprise to say that uh, when Ray Anderson said that ASU should be, have no reason to not be a top 15 program every year and a top three team in the Pac-12 every year, I basically just went through and I looked at every year of the Pac-12 to this point. That's 2011 to 2017. And um, no team has been a top 15 team or a that's top three saying. team. Like it turns over every year. That's You know, the, the very best – have been Oregon and Stanford, which both had these great runs. And, um, 
and, and even then, uh, neither one of those teams was in the the representative and then from the north more than a few times, right? So if you're a top three team, you're probably going to represent your your half of the division at least three or four times out of the year out of uh, you know six or seven. You're gonna uh, you're gonna be in the top fifteen pretty regularly. It's just it's just uh, and then to, to put ASU in that category, like 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 that's you're disconnected no. from reality if that's the expectations that you set. And then there is the um, you know I talked about this on the radio. I was on KTAR um, yesterday when they asked me about this, and I said, you know, it, it was just a year ago that Ray Anderson was asking Todd Graham to tone down the rhetoric. We want to, you know, show uh, by our actions rather than our words what we're trying to accomplish as a football program from our leadership. And he actually used the word words too much bravado. Right. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, maybe that's a a do as I say, not not a do as I do sort of a thing. But it's just a little bit strange that you're setting expectations that are even higher than what the guy that you just fired were saying that you were saying that you didn't like about about that. And also, for yourself, you're setting these expectations in motion that are almost unattainable. I would say they're unattainable. I would just say that they, there's not even possible. Like, there's 40 years of ASU experience, and let's just go through it again. Dennis Erickson, the previous coach, won two national championships. Dirk Hunter, the coach before that, is now an NFL head coach. Bruce Snyder, the coach before that, had an undefeated season, beat a number one team, took his team to the Rose Bowl. Um, you go back a couple. Uh, Larry Marmy was before that. Larry Marmy, if I had, if I remember correctly, he left ASU to take an NFL head coaching job. Okay. Point being, you go back twenty some years of ASU football. Mm-hmm. You got really good coaches. And none of those really good coaches had a better record than Todd Graham. None of those really good coaches, um, you know, accomplished the things that Ray Anderson seems to think should be regularly achievable at ASU. And and if indeed Todd Graham elevated the program as much as Ray Anderson said, he ran, he left the program in much better shape than he inherited it. You got all these new things. Well, if that's the case, then maybe Todd Graham was the guy, especially when you're, especially when you're citing uh, that you really like the job that his coordinators did, Billy Napier and and uh, Phil Bennett. So, I'm perplexed. I'm I'm bemused. I am finding this a little bit humorous, and uh, and now I'm interested to see if there's any way possible that he can deliver on what he set forth. Um, as the expectation, and I think it's going to be really hard pressed to do, and 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 people on the Devil Sanctuary probably do too, based upon looking at all the candidates that we put out there. Yeah, and and you talk about you know around the Pac-12 and and who's been not even considered a top 15 program at all times, or just even in that area in that realm of possibility. You know, there's there's two programs right now that have been in the top 15 the last couple of years that were really turned around by a coaching change, and they're in the same state, Washington, Washington State. You have Mike Leach and Chris Peterson, and Mike Leach, who you know is one game away from competing for for a Pac-12 championship this year, mm-hmm. he comes into a situation where the last four years Washington State wins nine games total, 
he steps in, they win three games, they win six games, they win three games in their first three years under Leach, and now he's turned it around. Yeah. Graham, Time. who's already established he can do this, he set up this culture, he set up this whole program and turned it around, and he's just starting to turn it around again from being average. I mean, obviously we can't predict that they're going to be you know, like Washington State was this year and turn it around in that dramatic of a yeah. sense. But the point is, you drop in this mastermind Mike Leach – at Washington State, and it takes him years to turn the whole thing around. No matter no matter what is surrounding you, like yeah, it's the hardest place to recruit, maybe on the West Coast. But Mike Leach, yeah, you can say the one guy turned around this whole program. It took him five years. Can we also just say that USC was down for a period of time? USC's typically knocking people around yeah. in the league. Right. UCLA just hired a guy who who coached Oregon to the national championship game, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe he left right the year before. I don't remember. But e- either way, he's the person responsible for their prominence, right? So those programs seem like they're headed in a direction where they're going to suck up a lot of oxygen in the room, meaning the talent that's going to be around. Yeah. Chris Peterson has it pretty well rolling at, at Washington, you now have Willie Taggart, who has comprised a, an impressive recruiting staff. They're gonna they're gonna pull guys, yeah. right? You have Washington State doing pretty solidly good things, and Kyle Whittingham is a good football coach at Utah. When they've had good quarterback play, they've Utah's they've they've gotten it done. He had like back to back ten win seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And Rich Rodriguez. When he has a quarterback who stays healthy and whatever, they have been able to put together some seasons. They represented the South. This year they were, you know, like uh, a seven-win team, and they had a bad November, right? The point is when Ray Anderson calls the Pac-12 South weak, quote-unquote, riddled, quote-unquote, he's 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 putting expectations of being much better when, when the reality is is that it's going to be actually a lot harder to, to, to do it when those other teams are firing in all cylinders. So that that makes it even makes it even a little bit less likely. So I I, I would suggest kind of just reading and absorbing the the full piece and then you know the stuff about the stuff about Napier and and uh, and Bennett and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of points that were made there. And and you know while we're on the topic of Graham. You know, the buyout has been talked about a lot, you know, around $12 million for, for a total buyout. But um, Reportedly. Reportedly. That's that's what I was going to get to. Mm-hmm. The um, That may not be true. Mm-mm. It may be way less than that. And Chris, we are, we're millennials with short attention spans, so you can, explain, <laughs> you can explain the contract situation a little better than we can, probably. So this is not my area of expertise, right? Uh, obviously. Um, you know, but... I have looked at it, and I've spoken with a few people about it. It looks like Todd's owed $8,450,000, 35% of which is due during his next regular pay period, which is, you know, December. Okay, sometime in December... That amount is two million nine hundred seventy-five thousand five hundred dollars. If 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 the numbers that we're looking at and, and and the way we're interpreting this is correct, and then he would be due the remainder, the other sixty-five uh, percent of that over a period of time, which I'm not sure exactly what that time would be. So that's that's 
doesn't sound anywhere near as daunting as looking at like an 11 million or a 12 million dollar figure depending on whether you're looking at what Darren Ravel reported or the USA Today reported about about some of this stuff still daunting still a lot of money still something that that Anderson should, should have been in my opinion really cultivating uh, um, support and and from you know the top booster group about uh, we're going to continue to dig into this and try to see exactly how much money Tagram is going to get from ASU, given the dismissal. Um, but that's sort of some, you know, and looking at actual, looking at the actual language, you can find the contract on the Arizona Board or Regents website if you want to prove it yourself. And if you are a contract lawyer or anything like that, we would welcome. You reaching out. You can send me a, a direct message uh, on Twitter. They're open. You could send me a message on a personal message on Sun Devil Source. I, I'm interested in anybody out there who has expertise in this area to sort of confirm the way that it reads to us. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, eight million dollars still a lot of money. But but of all, of all the coaches that would that need to be bought out in the, in this firing season, so to call it, Graham would have been number one at that yep. twelve million dollars by yeah. by about a million dollars next to next to Jim Mora. And now with that eight, I think that puts them about three, four, yeah, five. It's like the lower ones. Yeah, like third, or third or fourth yeah. highest. But the way that I look at this, and I think it's it's really important for perspective, is it, it should be look should be looked at as what it costs as a, as a percentage of your operating budget or of your revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're so if you're like an elite program and you're making twice as much revenue annually as ASU is. Like you have a lot more money to throw around. A yeah. lo- I mean, a lot, a lot more money to throw around at buyouts and hiring coaches. Right. Dramatically different, ex- you know, experience from a hundred million to a two hundred million dollar revenue yeah. or whatever that is. is at. They're at yeah. Mm. So, um, so what I would say is that you know, a lot of these really huge number buyouts that you see reported and talked about, to some of those schools, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. They may just have to, you know not spend as many as much money on Ferrari leather sofas or something, you know, um, for the locker know, room, the laser light show, <laughs> the, the laser light show, in, in, you know, when, uh, when, when players are in their uh, game room or, or whatever the case may be, you know, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I, but I think at ASU it's, it, it, it's a very significant amount of money. Ray Anderson said at the press conference, you guys, you know, you were there, you saw it, that you can't chase bad money, basically. That was his perspective. As a business owner, you got to realize when you made a mistake and then you got to make a course correction and and, and remedy that as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. But you better actually go ahead and remedy that now. Uh, uh, Otherwise, you know, people are going to remember you primarily by your, this hire Mm -hmm. at ASU. He's, he's, 64 years old. He's been in only at ASU as a as an athletic director. Absolutely, he's done a lot of good things in his career for individual people, right? Like he's helped out coaches get yep, good contracts. Yep. Great, more power to you. That's 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 important, right? But that's a that's a very micro thing. Like nobody's gonna remember as a fan base that Todd Graham helped Tony Dungy get a better deal, you know, for a little bit of more money or whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter to them. Yeah. This is the thing that a lot of people, especially when it's like at the tail end of your professional career, people are going to remember this. This is what you're going to be known for right now. Yeah. 
uh, unless you know Bobby Hurt, something happens crazy with ASU basketball, it, you know. Which, by the way, it, even if it does, I'm sorry to hurt people's feelings. Bobby Hurley will take a job at Duke or wherever else. Exactly. That's <laughs> what you're saying, man. Right? Like he's if he's if his star is that ascendant, he's gonna get a great job that ASU can't match. No offense, basketball fans. Yeah. Right. But but that's a little tangent there, guys. Sorry. <laughs> it, but but the point is, is that. This you're going to be remembered by who you hire, who you bring in right now, and so you might not want to be saying we're going to pay them middle of the pack money, and we hope that the Pac-12, you know, allure, you know, hypnotizes you into coming for less money after calling the Pac-12 weak. The, the weak Pac-12 <laughs> allure, yeah, hypnotizes yeah. you. Well, and and a lot of this that we've talked about and this whole situation has a lot to do with recruiting now, and with with early signing the early signing period starting on December 20th, Ray Ander said that it was, I believe he said completely necessary to have someone in place by that early signing period. And, and this, this ASU class has 15 recruits, 15 commits until yesterday when Jalen Naylor, the wide receiver at Bishop Gorman decided he was going to reopen his, mm. his recruitment, which, you know, in this type of a situation, if you don't have, I, <clears throat> pardon me, if you don't have at least a handful of those, then something weird happens. Yeah. Because normally you lose a head coach and then you take a week or two to hire somebody, you're going to have decommitments and guys taking other trips. Maybe they're not even decommitments, but they're basically not really solid in your your corner anymore. But you hit on the most important point there, Zane, which is to say this is the very first year that there's an early signing period in football. Therefore, not really the best time that you want to be making a coaching change, especially when there's a lot of other coaching changes that are happening out there this particular year. And ASU does need to try to solidify what it has in this recruiting class. Uh, it did well in California. Things were kind of, you know, I think getting fixed from some of the mistakes that have been made previously. I think some of the assistant coaches helped in that regard. And um, and uh, all these assistant coaches for ASU are actually out on the road recruiting right now for the university that just fired their head coach, which is kind of a, that's a, difficult dynamic that you're dealing with there and you're and these guys are like you know how exactly do i sell the program to this guy when i don't even know who the head coach is going to be to sell him to don't even know if i'm going to be there don't even know if i'm going to be there (laughs) correct exactly that's the challenge and that's why it's important that you have somebody in place uh my personal opinion is if you don't have somebody in place by early next week at the latest you're already but you're already way behind it has it it, and 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 you probably should have already known who you were going to hire when you decided to fire Graham yeah. and, and already known that you had that, at least that person that you know that you would like more than Graham already kind of in the bag and ready to kind of roll out. And, and to the, fa- that also works with a lot of the things Anderson said. It's like, you know, a lot of things he said were just hyper specific and it's like either he's setting the bar way too high or he has someone ready to go who will follow all of these terms and they've already discussed it. Well, Nick Saban, I think, is the guy that they're probably going <laughs> to. I think they're probably going to end up with Nick Saban, maybe Urban Meyer, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll would be good <laughs> if they if they could if they could convince Pete Carroll that that would yeah. be good. Um, oh we're being a little bit, you know, being a little bit silly here, but um, are, are we though? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So, um, so there's there's you know if you're going to hire. See, see, the hard thing is, Ray said, we're going to be pay middle of the road. So middle of the road money doesn't get you anybody that's already done it at a really high yeah, level. You need a young guy. Unless they got fired 
kind of recently, like maybe like a less miles or something, somebody like mm-hmm. that possibly could, you know, he's 64 or 65 years old. Uh, do you want to do that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you, you, then there's other, like there's the other retread, you know, type, you know, uh, like Elaine Kiffin, you know, he's been at a lot of places and, and, and whatever, but there's a lot of things about him that you might not want. Jim McElwain, right. Just got fired at Florida. Things went really kind of bizarre. Haywire there. I uh, got fired for cause, not making any money right now. So there, there, there's like things you could do. The point is, I think the really important point is that it's going to be whoever it is that ASU hires. I would almost assure you, if it's for the money that they're talking about, that it will be a speculative hire in some important respect. Yeah. It will be a hire that people will go, hmm, not bad, but he got fired at the last job. Or, hmm, not bad, but... Like he hasn't done it in the power five or, you know, not bad, but that was mostly in the NFL where his experience is. And I don't know about that, how that translates to college or, or some, you know, some other iteration like that. It'll be something like that. And, um, you know, the winning the press conference and, and, and also finding somebody who resonates with recruits and being a top 15 program every year and be in the top three in the pack 10 every year despite the fact that your budget is more like in the 30s every year your coaching salary is more like in the 30s every year you know it just doesn't magically happen because you like your weather for seven months and you got a new building that's kind of cool and nice that everybody kind of has and your uniforms are, are nice and you got a good adidas deal uh and you got and everybody's got the things you know the the, 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 the <laughs> There's not a big, huge coaching disparity out there amongst the people. It's just, it's more about. I'm getting off on another tangent, but it's, it's it's really more about other things, which we have really extensively talked about on our premium podcasts. Yes. So make sure you join Sun Devil Source and check out the premium podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so, and and speaking of the premium content, yeah, and speculative hires, yeah. The first uh, the first coaching hotboard is out. Zane Hope and talk to him. Yeah. Uh, the 1.0 version of the coaching hotboard is out. Got a dozen names. You know, Chris, you want to hint at a little bit who who might be on there? Um, Kevin Sumlin is on there, guys. Really? Can you believe that? Oh, unbelievable. Kevin Sumlin, That's a, name a guy who knows of. how to recruit at a high level. Now, people will remember, you know, our, our fans that go way back, people will remember that was ASU's first target in 2011. Mm-hmm. As reported, first by us, broken by us, detailed by us, ASU had – uh, it's, it's three top officials in a in, a, in an airplane hangar meeting with Kevin Sumlin, and then he pieced out on ASU and went to Texas A and M. But, but um, uh, Hugh Jackson's on the list. You know, I mean, he's. I mean, if they keep him around in Cleveland after winning one game in two seasons, um, that would be a pretty amazing accomplishment. Uh, and um, there's some NFL uh, coordinators that are there, um, and then there's some current. Power Five conference head coaches that are that are worth consideration and, and would be on the list, like a Dana Holgerson or something like that. Um, we really tried to uh, get at, you know, kind of a cross section of who would be would be on there. I don't think a lot of the names that have been mentioned. You know, Terrell Austin is a guy who's you know the the. Uh, Detroit Lions defensive coordinator who's been pretty successful at multiple stops. He was, he worked with Steve Kime when Kime was coming up with the Cardinals. Steve Kime, 
is someone who knows Ray Anderson. You know, Anderson is very connected to the NFL circles. So, um, but yeah, but there's nothing that we can report that ASU has zeroed in on a certain individual, particular candidate. I think it does has zeroed in on somebody based upon things that we've been we've been told, but we can't say anything about who that is at this point in the process. And, and along with that, we have our potential pool of candidates, also also uh, for subscribers, seven categories, 60 candidates, um, you know, more analysis on all that, all, all premium content. 60 names from seven categories. Now, that didn't just like, I didn't just like sit down and one day and like, oh, you know, here's 60 guys. Like, we've been working on that for a while now. We're working on that in preparation for the possibility of Graham getting fired. Uh, what you have, of course, it's not, this isn't rocket science. You have current Power Five coaches. You have current uh, Group of Five head coaches. You have current NFL uh, coordinators or head coaches. You have former college and NFL head coaches uh, or coordinators. And then we look at all of them and all the guys and all the categories that sort of make sense and would be logical. And then we allow everybody to discuss these things. And there's been an enormous, as you would anticipate, there's been an enormous amount of conversation and dialogue among our members by far the largest, most active premium community about ASU athletics and not even close. I know that there's other options out there and people, you know, listen to other podcasts and do other things, but I would suggest that if you pop on and you take a seven day trial and you look at what we have, and then you compare that to, you know, whatever other your options you have out there, I think you're going to come away with a certain type of, uh, uh, of experience and feeling about that. And, uh, we've had a lot of people who have joined in the last few days since this thing started, uh, no different than, than previous coaching searches. This is a time when people really want to know what's going on. They get reinvigorated. They get interested. And then they hit the join button. They, they come onto the site. And then uh, then their wives and girlfriends and husbands and kids get really upset because they spend all their time on there as opposed to doing all the chores and uh, taking going out to the movies and getting ice cream and, and all those kinds of things. So... <laughs> So if you want to avoid the honeydews and and you really want to know what's going on with ASU football at a much deeper plane and recruiting and all that stuff, my 30-second spiel is over, and you should just join SentinelSource.com. There you go. There you have it. Now moving on from the good hot stuff, there was a football game this weekend. There was. Oh, yeah. That seems that feels like it was like a month ago. It really feels, it feels like, like it didn't even happen. In yeah. a way. Yeah. Ray Anderson maybe <clears throat> thinks it, maybe wishes it didn't happen. I don't know. The most, the most upsetting territorial cup for both sides. Probably the only one where both sides have been upset. <laughs> That's a good point. Never thought about it like that, that right? <laughs> Did you guys see the Pac-12 deleted the tweet the yeah, next morning? Quote, yeah. yeah, I quote tweeted it. ASU fans woke up like this. <laughs> and ASU fans are like, nah, no, no, no we didn't. No, so. no, we didn't. <laughs> Pretty funny. But uh, 42 to 30. There's some silver lining. ASU scored 42 points. Mm. Everyone, everyone had a ball with that one too. Hit the Pat Tillman number. Yeah. They did. Um, wow. I didn't even think about that. Had ASU take over second place in the conference with a six and three record. The Wildcats finished with a five and four record in conference, although both went seven and five overall. Wait, ASU finished second in the South. In the South. What happened to Todd Graham? And then he, he got fired. It's oh. riddled. It's weak. Remember okay. that. Got it. Um, you know, obviously, what everyone's going to talk about in this game from both sides: Khalil Tate getting injured. Really, really changed the whole game. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was weird because, like, 
Rich Rod said afterwards that he sustained the injury early in the first quarter, and I even rewatching the game, like I couldn't tell what play he sustained it on. I'm sure that they were able to point it out, but like the once once U of A lost him, their offense just went away. And you know, granted what Brandon Dawkins was able to do last year, the only time that he really did anything was when he ran broke for that 50 yard fake reverse play and it was really beautifully designed play and executed at that. So ASU's defense came out, and again, as they've done every single game this season, they responded to whatever the heck was said in the locker room at halftime. There, there were necessary adjustments made that helped them nearly, you know, not nearly in this one. They ended up winning the game. Yeah, it, it um, they t- Tate injury just changed everything. You yeah. saw him like try to go out there that one series, and like he had no usage of his left arm. It was crazy. Like, um. Uh, I think that there was a lot of you, you could see the growth of ASU's defense from last year to this year because Brandon Dawkins was the quarterback that ran over around and through ASU without even having to throw a pass in the second half last year they put up 50, whatever it was 50 some odd points in the board and and in this game it looked like he was basically unable to really do much of anything he had that one run right yeah off the reverse yeah and fake that reverse. fake reverse and and that and then that was it and ASU pretty much dominated what what was it 21 unanswered points to start yeah, the, the second half yeah. and uh you know um you know the DeMario Richard thing hey how about you just give the ball to DeMario it's not like we were saying that for the, for the whole thing dude was lathered up he was lathered up you put him on the, put him on the field uh, Nikhil Harry, grown man stuff. Nikhil, this is this was the game that elevated the, what will be the legacy of Nikhil Harry uh, in the eyes of fans. You know, you catch two touchdowns on fades. One is like the probably the most amazing catch, the most memorable catch that he's had in his Sun Devil career. He barely gets one foot in bounds. Not really sure how he did it. Uh, they were rolling, you know, some help over him at times, and uh, so he enabled other people to kind of get open and get off. Um, you know, you had the one interception by Manny Wilkins, but Manny Wilkins ends the regular season as as uh, the guy who turned the ball over least in the Pac-12, especially as a percentage of his overall reps. Uh, I think everybody here is going to remember that Christian Sam once again had, you know, a, a smorgasbord of tackles and, and stops and, and ended up far and away the best in the Pac-12 in that category, even though uh, early in the game they were doing that sort of dunk pass, that dink pass, whatever, um, uh, when, when ASU was kind of uh, misidentifying it and bringing the linebacker when it should have been covering that receiver. And I think that was Christian Sam's responsibility. They sort of fixed some of that around but you got to hand it to ASU 60 something snaps for ASU uh what have we told you guys on the podcast over and over and over again ASU just shouldn't be a 90 snap team with this defense and the way that it's comprised this was the way that ASU needed to play and win a football game and Todd Graham and then just career at ASU four and two in the territorial cup which should count for something and you know this was kind of a game of (laughs) Not to brag, but things we've been saying they should do all year long. Yep. I mean, we kind of we questioned why they don't throw to Nikhil Harry more in the red zone. Yep. Why Curtis Hodges was taking some snaps there. We yep. questioned why Frank Darby wasn't playing more, and he comes in and makes the first explosive play of the game. Yep. We questioned why Demara Richard isn't getting a, a chunk of the carries. He doubled Kalen Balaj up in carries, ended up with a seven and a half yards per carry average and huh. two touchdowns. Uh-huh. Manny Wilkins throws seventeen passes, eleven completions, and he's running the ball for twenty eight yards. And how many of uh, Khalil Tate's runs broke through the middle where Rennell Ren was? Huh. Probably uh, none. Yeah, probably none. <laughs> none yeah. So uh, not not to brag here, but we kind of we kind of designed the game plan we for were a little ahead of the curve on ASU. <laughs> and, and by the way, 
the fact that we were talking about those things, I think this is kind of important to say. The fact that we were talking about a lot of those things, and some, and much of that was on the premium, probably. So maybe you know the people who are not getting everything are not getting everything. But, but um, it, it it shows that we had every willingness to be critical when necessary and appropriate of Correct. Todd Graham, Billy Napier, Phil Bennett, the actual players on the field. But you have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time and understand the totality of the situation. And so when I wrote that Todd Graham shouldn't be fired regardless of what happened in the game, as opposed to changing my mind from halftime to the end of the game, like some other people did who are out there, I'm not going to, you know, really mention any names or anything, but, but, um, you have to be able to take everything into context and perspective and think about it and realize, yeah, there's some bad things here and here and here and here and here that they need to fix. And then there's these other things that they already have fixed that are here, here, here and here. But overall, they made a lot of progress and they probably outperformed expectations uh, overall in the season. I know that's kind of where we're headed next. Yeah, no. <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess we'll kind of just talk about the season overall. I mean, we, we all kind of predicted 500, game over, game under beginning of the season ended up being a game over at seven and five like i said second in the in the riddled pac-12 south i, I have a feeling it's going to end up like a like a crooked media kind of thing the riddled pac-12 south <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i mean i guess with expectations being around there some people said it was the media's fault for running tagram out of town yeah i, I saw like that they didn't support yeah. tagram enough support. yeah you know support. yeah i mean I kind of said he shouldn't be fired, so, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I wrote a call about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the craziness that was this season, and we've kind of talked about how, you know, I mean, the U, the U of A game kind of epitomized the whole season. You know, the first half, you're saying Graham gets fired. The second half, you're like, keep Graham. You know, how, Kalen, would you evaluate? Well, we didn't, but other people did. Yeah. How, how would you evaluate the season as a whole, you know, from a team perspective, you know, maybe from a player development perspective, all that? you got to look at it as, as a success as a whole. I think from a maybe from a player development standpoint, you shake your head at, like, especially, like, early on, like the freshmen burning some of their red shirts, like Traylon Smith, Langston Frederick, Alex Perry's, like, stuff like that. You kind of scratch your head at that. But from, I think, the storm that happened at first for them to come out the way that they did. I mean, you look at seven and five and you think, and sure there, there were a couple games that they left on the table. Potentially this could have been an eight, nine win team. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's what Ray Anderson is concluding as well. Like they probably could have won nine games this year, but for doing everything that they accomplished, losing Karan Crump at the beginning of the season, starting two walk-ons at cornerback after having the worst secondary what is it? Is it NCAA history? Uh, no, second worst. Second worst in NCAA history. Yeah. And you come out with a seven and five record, and don't get me wrong, it was a mediocre offense, very mediocre defense, but they found a way in the Pac-12. Sure, riddled week, however you want to determine it or describe it. Not but, even that week, but okay. But that's my <laughs> point. Like you, you went six and three in conference play. I think you look at the end of the year and you say that was a successful year for your ASU. Yeah. Uh, we're actually taping this from uh, Kalen's hospital bed, so I just want <laughs> I just want everybody to know that Kalen is like my, really showing up for us. Uh, thoughts words. and prayers for Kalen. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers, prayers, thoughts prayers. prayers. <laughs> for Kalen. You know, so um, but but look, uh, ASU had a lot of struggles early on this season. You guys were there for it. Everybody listening remembers it. They they all the negative plays, the sacks, 
they were giving up, the, the tackles for loss, they couldn't run the ball effectively, they couldn't block effectively, they had to move players from offense to defense. Oh, that's right. There, there all kinds of – it was a mess, right? It, it was a mess because they were trying to do a lot of things differently than they had in the past because these coordinators are not like the people that they replaced, and it was on both sides of the football, and, and so that, that happened. They got better and better and better and better as the season wore on. They made some strategic uh, mistakes. I think the UCLA game in particular, and that probably cost Tagram his job. And okay, that happened. But you know, then even after that, they sort of made another course correction, and they did better in the the last couple games. Um, I think that I think the offense looks like it's going to be better next year. You know, now maybe it won't be because now you're making another change. I don't know. You know, or maybe Billy Napier is kept on because Ray Anderson wants him kept on. I don't know. And then maybe they're maybe they are better. You know, but you got four offensive linemen back. You got Wilkins back for his fourth coordinator in four years, possibly. You got all your receivers back. I don't think you're going to lose any. I think, like, Demario Richard, he's good. Like, he's, he's a good player. Kalen Balaj, he's an athlete. He's a space athlete. Okay, fine. He doesn't get into space enough, whatever. Uh, you know, Benjamin's good. He had a couple fumbles, right? A fumble or two. And I think that he, and he hit a brick wall, maybe being a freshman. Um, but I think he's really super talented. I don't think you're going to go backwards on offense. At least you shouldn't. They would have probably only gotten better on defense with Phil Bennett's second year, especially when you have uh, Kobe Williams and Chase Lucas and Daz Tauter-Latasi back and maybe Christian Sam, depending upon what happens with him. Uh, you got some really key players up front that are back. JoJo Wicker, uh, Renell Wren did really good. J.J. Wilson ended up looking like that was a really good decision for him to, yeah. on, on, to play defense. I thought they were poised to actually be better and, and show improvement. Now we're going to see what happens uh, next year, overall, if you guys were going to give uh, this this coaching staff and this year a grade, I'll go first. I would say that this coaching staff in this year deserves a solid B. I'll give them a B. Yeah, like B minus range. B, B minus. Okay. Yeah, I'm right in there. The 83, 84% range. Yeah. It's exactly. not a C. A it's not a B. C. Yeah. You yeah. can't no, give them a C. Solidified and it's not below a C. You know, it's probably not, it's not an A, right? It's somewhere between like a B plus and maybe like a C plus. Yeah. And a lot, Just of, because, a lot of my lower grade has to do with like miss like in-game management, if anything. Yeah, the right. UCL the clock stuff yeah, and exactly. timeouts. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, totally agree. But guess what? There's some damn good coaches, even in the NFL, that mess up the stuff worst. and end up getting just like just lambasted <laughs> for those sorts of things. So you're probably going to have some of those problems. Can we get a nurse in here for Kayla? And <laughs> we're gonna hit, I hit the call button so that she'll be here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, so so – uh, again, again, I don't know. You know, I put Todd Graham on the list of 60 coaches, and we'll see how he looks compared to everybody else. I didn't even think about how this may affect Christian Sam. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Whoa. Christian Sam. Wow, what if they lose Christian Sam? They don't have any. That's, I mean, Kalen Thomas and Deion Green are. Karan Crump. Yeah. What if Karan Crump decides, decides he's hey, I don't need to apply for that extra there's, year There's now. a couple guys that yeah. I think you and might. This team gets significantly worse if you lose yeah. those two. Like, if you lose a couple recruits, lose Christian Sam and Karan Crump. Yeah. I do like some of the other guys. Like, I think Malik Law has got a chance to be a pretty yeah. good player. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just guys. saying a, a leading tackler in the Pac-12. No, it matters. Yeah. All uh, right, guys. Yeah. Again. Got to get Kalen some IVs. <laughs> True. <laughs> get him hooked right up on. here. But, uh. We'll have our premium later in the week, and um, I, I'd say if there's a premium that you want to listen to all year long, this might be the one, just because we're going to be name-dropping actual prospects of coaches and, and getting really, really into the coaching situation more. I mean, we kind of got off track today and maybe leaked some stuff that we maybe shouldn't have. but uh, eh, it's fine. But it's fine. 
Yeah, Maybe. we're we're allowed to. I think tease I'm allowed you. to tease, tease <laughs> you to get a subscription. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's gonna trust me. It's gonna go way more, way way more into it uh, on the premium. And that's probably all we'll talk about this Thursday. So that's it. Stay Maybe tuned. Maybe a little, maybe a little basketball, but uh, oh yeah, hopefully for my sake. But uh, two, we got some stuff coming on basketball too now. Yeah, we're 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 keeping it a hundred on basketball. Oh yeah, dude, they're good. Yeah, and SunDevilSource.com is a website about ASU football, basketball, recruiting, and where fans gather, and we're not just the podcasters. That's a very small percentage of the stuff that we do, and we hope that you can check out our stuff this week. So come gather with your fellow fans. Check out SunDevilSource.com. Reach out for the pod this week. Have a great week.